Good morning, everyone. How is everyone doing this morning? So great to see you all here in the room. Thank you for joining us online today. I just want to draw attention just to the few young leaders in our church. How about Gigi with the announcements? One of our interns. So good. She has been so great on social media all summer. Uh, We've had our interns. They have done so many different great jobs here around the church, um, doing different things, stuff they wanted to do and stuff they didn't want to do. But it's been a a growing experience for all of them. And then I just wanted to, you know, you don't usually draw attention to somebody who prays, but the girl who was praying earlier was actually my daughter. Now, (laughs) she... She's not in junior high. She looks really young. She actually already has a degree. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm just happy to have her as part of our team here at the City Church. Good job, babe. Love you. <laughs> All right, we are in week three of a series that we have called All My Attention. And what we are doing in this series is we're taking a little bit of inventory in our lives and seeing where all of our thought life, our energy, our our worship is going. Because at any time in our lives, we can uh, get ourselves going in crossways with God, so to speak. We can get our lives going in directions that we had never planned before. Unless we actually think about what we're thinking about and and what what our our hand finds to do and what we're saying, we're going to be focusing a little bit on that today. And... um, you know, taking an inventory is a great thing to do in your home, with your budget, uh, in your closet. Um, and so we want to be taking inventory in something uh, very important, which is what's going on on the inside of our heart. But like I said, this series is kind of focused on this idea of what am I worshiping? Um, our, our whole lives, and we're going to talk about this next week, but our, our whole lives are intended to worship God. They are purposed to worship God. And you know, if you, if you read any surveys recently, especially in Western countries, that the amount of people that claim that they're religious and different religion and things like that is on the decline. But like I've said, all of the worship that's happening is exactly the same. All humans are created to worship and will worship every day. And if we don't worship our creator, we are going to worship something else. And so the inventory that we want to take is we want to figure out, am I living a life of worship in all of the aspects of my life? So the word worship or praise, we're going to be talking a little bit about that today, just means honor, reverence, worth, respect, admiration, and devotion that we want to have all of those things, the center of my heart, the center of my life, actually going to the creator God, the savior God who's revealed in Christ Jesus, and not let all of our attention go to other things. Uh, Worship is a foundational impulse built into all human beings. It is going to be expressed in some way. It's gonna be expressed towards created things, or it's going to be given to its ordained focus, which is the creator, God. And so what we want to ask ourselves is the question is, what, what I'm giving my attention to, does it warrant it? Does it deserve my attention? The thoughts that I'm thinking, the emotions that I have, the opinions of others, the circumstances that I'm facing, all of these things in my life are that are getting a measure of my attention and how much of my attention and how much of my worship Am I giving to these things? And the, the first week we read the story of the golden calf as if we, if we don't worship God, the children of Israel were impatient 
at getting a word from on high from God. Moses was up there on the mountain. And then so instead of waiting for the word from God, they created their own God and started to worship it. And human beings have not changed. So we had the first week we talked about what are we magnifying? Am I magnifying God or am I magnifying a million other things in my life? And then last week we talked about pride and humility that uh, for us to be able to worship God, we have to humble ourselves. But our tendency, the temptation for all of us is to live a life of pride. And what we want to focus on today is our words. We want to take an inventory of our words. The, the scripture says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it will eat the fruit of it. Death and life are in the power of what we say, that our, that our confession of faith in Jesus Christ affects our eternal destiny, that the words that we say affect our relationships, the words that we say affect the job that we work at, work at. and words have such a tremendous effect on our lives. The words that people say to us can help us and can encourage us and can send us in a good direction, or the words that somebody could say to us could really cut us and hurt us and do damage, that there's great power in words, that there's spiritual containers in words. And we want to make sure that the words that we're saying, the words that we're listening to, the words that we're giving voice to in our lives are God's words. Philippians chapter two, verse 14, is kind of our, our keynote scripture for this message today. And just the first line here is convicting to all of us. It says, do all things without grumbling and disputing. How many things? All things. That we're supposed to do all things in our lives without grumbling or disputing. Grumbling just means complaining, a contemporary word. And disputing has to do with sort of arguing. Sometimes we can argue with the people that are in the room with us, or sometimes we can argue with the television, or we can argue with people that are dead. We're going to be having arguments all of the time. The scripture is telling us here that we should do all things without complaining. How are we doing so far? Complaining. Does anyone want to maybe admit that you might struggle with complaining? The rest of you are lying about it. Man, complaining is a hard thing because it's just so easy to do it. It's just so easy to give voice to the thing that you see that's wrong. Or there's an issue with this, and I just, I just want to complain about it. And really, you know, we've renamed these things in stores, but guest services is for two things. It's for returns and the complaints that you have about the store. You just want to go and you complain. You want someone to listen and the person that you're going to give your complaint to, generally speaking, has no power to change it, but they're going to take your complaint and they're going to give it to someone else and then maybe somebody else will be able to do something with your complaint. And maybe there's some sort of positivity in your complaint, but a lot of times we're just giving voice to the negativity that we see or we feel in a moment. That's just so easy to complain about everything. About the, and we can start from, from our, when, our eyes, when our eyes open in the morning. What type of sleep did you have? Oh, I had a terrible sleep last night. <laughs> and if you're sleeping 
with someone else in your bed, your spouse. It's the only person that you should be sleeping in the bed with. They're there and you can complain to them about the time to sleep and maybe they had something to do with it because of the snoring. And then it won't just stop there. You'll take that complaint and you'll take it to the next person that you see. Well, how are you doing today? Oh, I didn't have a great sleep last night. And then you get in the drive-thru line for your breakfast. And the drive-thru line takes too long. And I'm just telling you, this is something that I do. It's like, it's like how, how long does it take for you to say, I need a coffee and a breakfast sandwich? There, I'm done. It's like less than 10 seconds. Yet you're still at the drive-thru thing. What are you telling them? You don't need to be having a conversation. And we just complain. There's somebody in the car or not. You're just complaining. And we're, our days can continue like this on and on. But the scripture tells us do all things without grumbling or disputing. Listen, verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God. So one of the characteristics of the children of God should not be how well we can complain or how cynical we can be or how critical we can be about all things without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Someone was asking for a prayer that, that they could be a witness and this should be all of our desires. Here's one of the things that will cause us to stand out on the job in one place so we complain less and contribute more. So you know, you can internalize your complaints, the things that you can see and you can actually make stuff better. You can contribute to fixing the issue or we can just complain. Verse 16, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may, be, I may be proud of what I did and not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So the bookends of this portion of scripture are, are don't complain, but here's something you can do instead that we can be glad and we can rejoice. There's always something to complain about, be cynical about, criticize, but you know what? There's always something to be glad about and there's always something to be thankful for and our lives should be marked by this, gladness and thanksgiving that we're gonna shine as lights in this, in this dark world if we do this, if we just don't take on the language of the moment, the cynicism and the criticism, that we would shine as lights if we choose to be glad and we choose to be grateful. So contrasting praising and complaining. The word complain basically just means Blame. I love this definition, a fate or quarrel, a fate. What does that mean? It means just like, oh, you know, when, when, when you're a complainer, 
Generally speaking, you're very aware of all of the things that go wrong in life, and so you give voice to them. And then when something else goes wrong based on something you viewed as negative and you had already said it, oh, this, this thing went wrong, and see, this always happens to me, that you're fated for negativity. And this is what complainers see all of the wrong things all of the time. And then we think, well, this is just my lot in life. No, it's just the thing that you're talking about all the time. Because there is something to be glad for. And there is something to give praise to God about. You know, some of the, we have to train ourselves when we're talking about taking inventory. You have to train yourself to get sick of listening to your complaints. Because here's the reality your loved ones are already sick of it. (laughs) People close to you, they've heard it all before. I remember one time, for me, something had happened and someone had, you know, hurt me and lied about me as it happens in life sometimes. And this was a couple years after the fact. And I was telling the story about this person hurting me And honestly, I just got sick of the story. I just got sick of listening to my own voice complaining about the thing that they did and they should have done and I knew it was wrong and was wrong, blah, blah, blah. But I just got sick of talking. I got sick of listening to my own voice, my own complaints. And we need to get there. We need to get that place where we're we're sick of the blame game. That we're, we should be sick of deciding that my life is worse than everybody else's life. I'm fated to be this person in this terrible situation. You need to get sick of thinking that and sick of giving voice to that. And instead, that we would choose to praise instead of complain. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Here's a, a continually that we should do. We should do all, all things without complaining, but here's something that we should constantly do. We would be saying things with our mouth that are praise to God, thanking God. And you'll hear this when I pray. Uh, So much of my praying is just thanking God. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you that your word says this. Thank you that you promised this. Thank you that Jesus provided this. That we're giving voice to gratefulness in our hearts. Because this is something that we can do continually, a sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice. In other words, I could be saying something else. Right? And if you want my critique, I could give it to you. You'll stand still for a while. I could tell you what's wrong with your life, and you could do the same for me. But instead of that, this, the continual noise, the continual dripping of the complaints that I would have about all things and all people, that instead the scripture is telling us that we continually, continually praise God. It would be, it's a sacrifice for me to put this aside and instead of this, man, I'm just gonna worship God. 
a sacrifice of praise. I could be using my words for a lot of other things. Instead, continually, I'm gonna give the sacrifice of praise. Now we have some great Old Testament examples. Um, The scripture, what I love about the scripture, it's just so honest about the children of Israel that there's no uh, sugarcoating the things that they went through. They've made a bunch of mistakes and they did a bunch of stupid things just like us. And, and what, what's great about it is we can go back and look at these things and learn from these situations so that we don't repeat these situations. And in fact, the scripture tells us to do this. In 1 Corinthians 10, 10, it says this, and do not grumble as some of, the, some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us of whom the culmination of the ages has come. Man, what do we have these Old Testament stories for it, they're written down for examples for us. Some of these examples are here, you should do this. And then there's a bunch of examples that don't do this. Don't follow after this pattern. Don't do the thing. And it started out with, you know, they were just kind of, they grumbled to start. And if we think back about that first generation of the children of Israel that came out of Egyptian bondage, they were famous for being professional complainers. I mean, they just struggled with everything, you know, and for a while there, they were, they were hungry and then God fed them with manna. Do you know what manna is? Bread falling from the sky, like God giving it to them. And then they're complaining about it. I'm tired of this miracle. We need, we need to diversify the menu, God. <laughs> Don't you know that I have a sophisticated palate, God? So I'm going to complain about this miracle that you're giving and doing in my life. Let's go back and read about one of these stories. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1, it says, The Lord spake to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. What is Canaan? Canaan is the promised land. And when we think about Canaan, we bring it into the New Testament, we bring it into the new covenant, something that Jesus has provided for us, salvation that he's provided for us. But I like to say it like this, it's God's preferred future for us, that God has something to say about your future. He has a desire for your future, for you and for your family and for your children. He says something about your future. And what does God want you to say about your future. God wants you to say about your future what he says about your future. He wants you to align your words with his words. High thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. His words are higher than my words. And so I want to do and say those things. God is speaking to Moses, send the man in the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Like present tense, the Canaan land, this is your land. This is the place that I desire for you to be. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one, a chief among them. So Moses went and sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord. All of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. So the next few verses just tells us, gives us an inventory of who's going. Here's the spies that are going to the land. 
But if we see the instructions, what are the instructions? God is like, here's the land that I'm giving you. Here's my intended future for you. Do we have any promises in the word of God like that? Has God declared anything over your life? Said anything over your life? Given us some promises, exceeding great and precious promises, all that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So he has those things for us to pray and for us to say, here's the land that I'm giving you. So we're gonna send the spies out so that we can create a strategy to go into the place that God has for us. Verse 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is. Whether the people dwell there are strong or weak, whether there are few or many, and whether the land they dwell in is good or bad and whether the cities they dwell in are in camps or strongholds whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are trees or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob to near that place. Verse 22, you can try it later at home. They went up into the Negev and came to Hebron. Um, And so all of these people were there and that said Hebron was built seven years before Zone in Egypt. Verse 23, and they came to the valley es- Eskal and cut down from there a branch with a singular cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between the two of them. They brought it, some of the pomegranates and the figs. So here is this land and that's fruitful. And this is a great image for the future that God has for his children. He has a blessed future for you. God, friends, is good. The enemy is bad and evil. God has a good future for us to walk into. We're gonna face difficulties and circumstances. But when God is bringing us out of those negative circumstances, he's not bringing us into more negative circumstances. He's bringing us into the promised land. Verse 24 in that That place was called the Valley of Eskol because of the cluster that the people of Israel was cut down from there. And at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land which you sent us and it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. God's future for us, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. This is imagery, there's no milk in the streams. It means that this is the blessed land. This is a blessed place that God is calling us to. Verse 28, however, uh uh-oh. The people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides that, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. It's like, here's the land that flows with milk and honey, but we got some issues. There's giants in the land. And this is true about everybody's future, that God has an intended future for us. 
But there's going to be some difficulties along the way. There's going to be some resistance along the way to God's desired future for you. That everything isn't always easy in life, even for the Christian. Does anyone figure this out yet? Here's Canaan land. But there's giants on the land. Verse 30, but, so there was a however this, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the man who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. We can go. We can't go. Every situation in life will offer you an opportunity to praise or to complain. But the situation will be the same. The circumstance that you have to face will be the same. So here, this one group of spies is like, hey, you know, there's the land there, but here's all the giants. But Caleb's like, hey, man, let's go. We can go. We are well able. The Lord is with us. We can do this. The other group, uh, we're not able. We can't go against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought up to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we had gone out to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in there are of great height. We, we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we see ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. What's, what's, what's different right now with these two groups of people, the, the group of spies and then there's Caleb? What's different? The words they're saying. Now, the words that they're saying obviously are sourced in the faith in their heart. But their words are telling the story about how they think about the situation. It's like, flows with milk and honey, but the giants. Let me tell you about the story about the giants in my life. Well, let me tell you about the giants in my life. Let me tell you about the giants in my life. And we could just keep talking about the giants in our lives and never go into the promised land. Caleb was like, let's go. Yeah, there's giants there. See, here's the choice that we have. Are we, we going to, the praise puts our trust in God And the complaint puts our faith in the negative story we tell ourselves about our lives. We're we're like grasshoppers, and so we are in their sight. How How do you know what they're thinking? All of a sudden, they're mind readers. And they know that all of the Amalekites, the Jebusites, and all these people, these giants, they know exactly what they're thinking. And what is the story that they're going to tell about what they think that they're thinking? It's going to be negative about their future. It's going to be a complaint. 
It's going to be a reason not to go. That's going to be a reason not to contribute to the thing, to the change that we want to see. But Caleb's like, let's go. This is Canaan land. This is where God is calling us. He's given us this land. So the children of Israel have a decision to make just like we have a decision to make every day. Are we going to give all of our attention to complaints that we see? Or are we going to give our heart to the worship of God and the desire to walk in his intended future for our lives? So it's decision time. Let's read the decision that they made. Chapter 14, verse 1. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And it wasn't tears of joy. It was tears of sadness. That what? We can't go into the promised land. It flows with milk and honey. And look at these grapes and look at these pomegranates. And God said he's giving us this land. But my future is so hard. This is what I'm fated to. And my life is more difficult than anyone else's. And we're using all of our creative imagination to complain. They just like, we can't do this. Verse two, and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that, that we had died in this wilderness. In other words, you brought us out here to die? We should have just stayed in Egypt. Now think about what they're saying. They were slaves in Egypt. And we're like, man, we should have just gone back and we were slaves because this is going to be hard. The thing that God is calling us into, the promised land that he's giving us to, this, to us, there's some giants in the future. Here, I, I have a prophecy for all of you. There's giants in your future. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? I just want Pastor Brent to prophesy to us. Are you ready? Thus saith the Lord. There are giants in your future, but there's also a promised land. But here's this story. Your complaining will keep you out of it. They wept. Wish we had to just stayed in Egypt. This is a complaint. Grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will come, become prey. Would it have not better for us to go back to Egypt? They said to one another, let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Do you see the, the direction, the two directions? The complaining just stalls you. And I just, I just want to go backwards because I don't want to face this difficulty. But praise will empower you to be able to go forward into the promised land that God has for you. Continually that my voice would give praise to God. They go back and forth here for a few minutes. They're complaining. And Joshua and Caleb like, no, we can go. We are well able. 
Here's prophecy number two for you today. You are well able to handle anything that comes your way in your future. For God is with you. Amen. His spirit is on the inside of you. You have his words. Let's not stall our lives in the desert. And this is what happened to this generation. This whole group. The scripture says that they had to wait for this generation to die off before they went into the promised land, before Joshua took them into the promised land. This whole group of people died in the desert. And it wasn't because God didn't give them the promised land. He said, I'm giving it to you. It wasn't a God's will problem. It was the words that were coming out of their mouths. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Complaining distorts your view of the situation. We're, 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 gra we're grasshoppers in our side, and so we're grasshoppers in their sides. Not true, actually. Complaining will distort your view of your spouse. Can I get an amen? Because if all you do is focus on the negative things your spouse does, and your spouse does negative things, that was, that was good, no amen right there. <laughs> your spouse does stuff you don't like, and it's easy just to focus on it, focus on it, focus on it, or find the one thing they do right. It might just be one thing, but if you celebrate that thing, you'll get more. But if you complain and complain and complain and complain and complain and you don't do this 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 and you don't do this, you're getting somebody stuck right now. There's no future in complaining. Complaining will ruin a very good job. There's issues at your workplace. But if you complain and you complain and you complain and you complain and not think, hey, how can I contribute to make this better? Complaining distorts your view of any situation. Complaining makes you forget what God has done. Because God has done something in your life. Think about it. This group, all these miracles that took place in Egypt, for, for them to get out of Egyptian bondage, to go through the Red Sea, and then all of a sudden they forgot all of that. Forgot everything that God had done up to this point because, man, this future looks hard right now, so we're just going to complain about it. God has brought you this far. He will continue to carry you. Don't have your words have you die in the desert. Complaining takes you away from what God intends for you. Complaining is a horrible replacement for praise. Find something to give thanks about. Here, we'll finish with this story. The Apostle Paul, Luke 16, 
Sorry, Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts. Acts 16. The Apostle Paul just going around planting churches, preaching the gospel. In this one place, there was this demon-possessed girl, and it said he was this girl's making great gain for her masters, and then the Apostle Paul cast the devil out of her. And they realized, you know, oh, there goes our business. And so they had Paul and Silas thrown in jail. And then they were beaten with rods and they were tossed in jail. Beaten with rods, tossed in jail for doing good stuff. Would anybody be tempted to complain? I'm out here doing the Lord's work. And this is what happens to me? I'm out here trying to do good things. I'm preaching about Jesus. Casting demons out of girls. And then I'm in, I'm, I'm in jail. Did you hear that? It's a, a, faded, a, a fatalistic negative attitude. Acts 16, verse 23 when they had afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them in prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison to fasten their feet in stocks about midnight. So hold on, let's get a picture of this. They're beaten with rods, blows upon blows. They're in the inner prison where it's completely dark. Fastening their feet in the stocks like those old-fashioned like chains around your ankles attached to a wall. Like this, there's no electricity, there's no heat, there's no AC, there's no food, and you've been doing good things. And here you are. This is a really bad spot. And then it's midnight, the darkest part of the day. Now, we could look at the story and be like, you know what? <laughs> Let's go, go ahead, guys. We'll give you permission to complain. Just go for it. We're going to give you like two minutes to vent. Get it all out. Because these circumstances happen to us, and then we don't know why. And then we, you know, again, we blame fate. We blame God. We blame people want to complain about the circumstances, but here they are, the worst spot, the darkest part of the day. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. We all have choices. Every day, every situation, the children of Israel are presented with the choice. Here's the promised land. We can go up. No, we can't. I'm in the worst spot, in jail at midnight. There's no prospects for anything to be good. What did Paul and Silas do? Singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. So like, we're gonna sing loud enough in this moment? Have you ever sung through your tears when you wanted to cry and you wanted to give voice to your best 
complaint. But instead, you said, you know what? I'm just going to praise God anyway. I'm going to find something in this moment to be grateful for. Because I know that God is not the one putting me in jail. I'm, God is not the one having me in the inner prison at midnight. God has a promised land for me. Sang praises, and the other prisoners heard them. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said to them, believe in the, in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. And he brought them into the house and set them before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Didn't these two stories end up in a very different place? Weren't the choices offered to both exactly the same? Complain, find all the negative, there's no way, we can't do it. We're in the worst spot, there's giants there, it's midnight, we've been beaten. One chose a desert future with the words they said. The other ones chose to praise God. And not only did it help them get free, it helped somebody else get free. And we know this, right? Did our complaining ever send somebody to Jesus? Come on now. See, praise holds us in this place of joy. Worship sets you free into the promised land that God has for you. Complaining keeps us in the desert and in the chains. And praise changes you so you and I can be in a place to actually help somebody else. See that generation of the children of Israel they died and they took a bunch of other people down with them in the desert. Apostle Paul and Silas, they prayed, gave praise, changed somebody else's life, changed a whole family. Let's just pray today. Father God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love today. We thank you for your word that teaches us so much. God, we know that you have an intended future for each one and here today, every individual, every family. God, we walk, we want to walk in what you have for us. We want to give voice 
to your word and to your ways. God, we pray that you forgive us for our grumbling and complaining. God, we pray that you help us to praise more, to focus on how you've brought us to this point and all that you have given to us and all that you have blessed us with and all the things that you have done in our lives to this moment. We choose to focus on those. God, we are so grateful, so grateful. God, I just take a moment to pray for anyone in here who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior or has wandered away from you. God, I pray that you are convicting their heart, that you are drawing them close to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are here this morning and you have never said yes to Jesus, the gospel story The good news is all about Jesus, having a relationship with God through Jesus. And all you have to do is say yes to that relationship. Or if you're here today and you've wandered away from God, you know, God is not mad at you this morning. God is drawing you close to himself again. So if you're in one of those two categories, I'm gonna pray a prayer. I invite you to pray along with me today. Church, let's all pray this out loud together praying it with somebody who might be praying it for the first time, rededicating their life to Christ. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So I say yes to that relationship today. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's congratulate those that did that for the first time. Hey, if that is you this morning and you said yes to Jesus for the very first time, again, we congratulate you. We have some materials that we would love to put into your hand uh, that will help you on your journey of faith. You know, this is just a one-time moment, um, but the life of faith is that. It is a lifetime. And so we have some materials that we would love to give to you. Um, If you just head uh, to the info desk in the lobby and let the team know there that you prayed that prayer, you said yes to Jesus, or you rededicated your life to Christ, and they will give you those materials. And a reminder, if you are new, uh, grab that Connect card, fill it out. The team also has something for you this morning. If you're watching us online, you can email us at info at thecitychurch.ca, and we will get those same materials into your hands.